This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're going to talk for a short time this morning uh, on a subject I think that we often need reminding of. Because we don't get a reminder as we look out into society, into the things in this world. The subject of the morning is going to be something considered to be very negative. Something that people don't like to hear and don't want to think about. And we've moved further and further from these things. As we think about the lesson of the morning, obedience to God. When you look out and you think about the things and you see on the news and and in different things, do you see people looking to be obedient? We typically don't, do we? More and more we see rebellion on the rise and we see people that don't want to be told what to do and they don't want to submit to anything. And of course what you see is what we've got now and that's chaos in many instances. Chaos in cities, chaos in communities. People are ripped apart because of the things that they do. And it's all in response to not wanting to be obedient to anyone, anything, any law, or anything that might affect their lives. So as we think about that this morning, I don't want to be just a a damp towel on everyone. But I think it's something that we need to think about. And it's something that we should look at and we should consider what God has to say about these things. And how we should show reverence to Him. In Romans 1, verses 20 through 23, the Bible says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. You know, we look at that passage and we think and how we could apply that and we look at what's going on around us. That passage there could easily be written today about our society, couldn't it? We think of the things that we see going on and they, they fit that to a mold. You know, a lot of things we read in the Bible are that way. So many things that happened in the past and we keep repeating them. How often in the Old Testament did God destroy a people and another people rose up and they just returned to the same things over and over and over. And when we look at this, this is nothing new. This could be written in today and it would certainly apply to what we see in society And so that's just another thing of people returning to those same things over and over and over again. All of this could be fixed with obedience to God. When we look at his teachings, when we look at what's written in these passages, all of these things would steer us clear. Everybody says they want peace in the world, but they won't submit to the things that would bring peace, do they? They won't do it. In John 14 and 15 it says... If you love me, keep my commandments. And we love the first part of that passage, don't we? If you love me, 
hearing Jesus say that. Yeah, Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. It's the second part that becomes difficult, isn't it? Keep my commandments. You know, that's the one thing that could change the world. If we did keep those commandments. Continuing on in verses 23 and 24, Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the Lord which he hear is not mine, but the, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. We think of that passage, we think, you know, we want to serve God. Even Jesus, when he was saying these things, he didn't just say, this is what I'm telling you, listen to what I'm saying. No, he said, this is from the Father. From the Father's mouth, this is what he wants from you. We oftentimes look and say, you know, how can we serve God more? How, how can we do a better job of doing what he wants from us? Keep his commandments. That's all he asks from us. And too many times we get fancy or we get start thinking, well, we could do this and we could do that. We could do all of these things. Keep his commandments. That's what he truly wants. And he should be able to choose what he wants from us as servants of his. You know, those who don't love him don't keep his commandments. In the second half of that verse, Jesus says, These are not just my words, but the words of the Father which sent me. So let's look at one example of where we see that obedience wasn't followed. That God was not followed. His, his words were not hearkened and how he felt about that. In 1 Samuel 15 verse 1, we see here that Samuel has gone to Saul, the king. And it says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. So he's come and Saul's become king. And skipping down to verse 3 it says, Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not but slay both man and woman and infant, suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Skipping on again to verse 8 it says, And he took Agag the king. This is, this is Saul once he's conquered these people. And he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Now was that what God asked of him? No, that's not what God asked of him. That was not being obedient to God. That was not serving God's wishes. God had made Saul king. Of all things, he had made him king over his people. But he wasn't obedient to him, was he? In verse 9 it says, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good. And would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was, that was vile and refuse. That they destroyed utterly. And why did they do that? We see that in verse 21. But the people took of the spool of sheep and oxen. And the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. To sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Now their intentions were good were they not? They saved all of these things to sacrifice to God. They were going to take those things and put up this sacrifice to God and it was going to be this great sacrifice because they had gotten all the things of this land that were good and they saved it to have this great sacrifice. Even the king was going to be sacrificed to God. That would truly be a great sacrifice, would it not? But that's not what God asked. 
You know, when I look at this and I think of this more and more, you know, if he had looked closer at what it was he was offering to God, I think he would have had a better understanding of it. Because he was offering something to God that already belonged to God. God had given it to him. There was no sacrifice there. You know, if you put it in today's terms, you take somebody that has a herd of cattle, and today we might get together and we say, we're going to have a big sacrifice. Garland, bring one of your cows up here. Maybe two even. And I am going to make that sacrifice. What does that cost me? That's, that's not the sacrifice that we read of. Those sacrifices cost people something. And if I look to somebody else and I say, yeah, you guys bring all your stuff in here and we're going to sacrifice that. Now that's not the sacrifice we're asking of today. We're asking a living sacrifice. The sacrifice of our lives in service to God. But you know, it's not acceptable for me to say, you guys all live a good Christian life and I'll go do what I want and everything that you guys will do will be good enough to cover me. It doesn't work that way. And this sacrifice that Saul had decided he was going to make to God didn't work either because these things were not his to begin with. They were God's already. So it wasn't a true sacrifice. And it wasn't what God asked of him. And it wasn't out of obedience that he did that. In verse 11, we see the result of these things. In verse 11, it says, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't something that God wanted. It wasn't something that made him pleased. It wasn't something that made him happy. You know, on the surface, when we look at things like that, we can think, you know, that's going to be a great thing. I'm going to go and I'm going to do something just a little bit different from what I was asked. It's not exactly right, is it? You know, you think about the child. That as they're growing up, they may be helping their, their dad or whatever. And their dad says, bring me a screwdriver. And maybe that kid's just a little bit too young to understand what all that is. And so the kid brings you a wrench. You say, no, the screwdriver. And so then they bring you electrical tape. And they say, no, the screwdriver. And they bring you a ratchet. You know, we don't blame that kid for that. They don't have the experience to understand. But that's not what we wanted, right? We actually needed a screwdriver for it to be helpful to us. And sometimes it's the same way. We think we're being helpful, but in reality we're not because it's not what God would ask of us. You know, Saul's intentions were good, but intentions couldn't justify his disobedience. And in verse 22... Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to, better, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. He's telling us, just, just give God what he's asking for. Because what he's asking for through that obedience is good enough. We don't have to come up with creative ways to think that we're going to make that better. He wants obedience from us. He wants a life of obedience and a life of servitude toward him and to sacrifice our lives in doing that. You know, I'll never be faced with leading armies or conquering countries, 
and neither were you. Those things aren't expected of us. God's not asked that from us. Is it not easy enough to just give him what he does ask and obey those things and do those things the way that he asks us to do them? In Psalms 25 and 10, it says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. You know, the paths of mercy and truth and those things, we think about it, that's the path we want, isn't it? When I'm working, walking through this life and I have those struggles and those things that hit me in life that tend to hold me down, that I find challenging, we want to find mercy on that path, don't we? And that's what it says. When we're doing that and we're following his covenants and his testimonies, we're going to find that mercy on that road. In Psalms 119 and verse 2, it says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. It said those people are blessed, doesn't it? That seek his testimonies, that seek his word for guidance in their lives. Those are the ones that will be blessed. We can see countless passages over and over and over. That if we do as God would have us to do, not only are we going to have a life that's pleasing to him, but also a life that is free from many hurtful things that we can avoid by doing that. He wants us to constantly strive to do his will and walk a little closer to him every day. And it's not going to be easy. He's never promised us an easy life. We know that. In matter of fact, he tells us over and over, you're going to meet these challenges, but you just keep striving, and you keep striving, and you'll get through those things. But he's never promised it would be easy, and we're going to run into those things that are difficult in life, and we have to overcome them through obedience to him. When we think of that uh, obedience to God and having faith, I'm sure Abraham comes to mind to all of us. When we think about Abraham and the things that he went through, he went through so much, you know, beginning from the, from the beginning. And then, you know, he wanted a son and it took so long to get that son. And as quickly as it was given to him, God asked for Isaac back. You know, that's hard for us to understand. We think about how hard that must have been for Abraham to take his only son and deliver him as a sacrifice. But, you know, he was willing to do it. And when I think about that, we know in the end, God didn't require it. Do I think Abraham understood that totally? I'd say probably not. Did Abraham question it? We don't know that. We don't know if Abraham questioned that in his mind. But we do know that he was willing to follow through with what God asked of him. And God knew Abraham's heart. He knew that everything that he had and everything that he was came from God. And he was really willing to return that to God if that's what was required. In Matthew 7 and verse 21 it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You know, this is a strong warning that tells us how important it really is to follow God's word and keep his commandments. He has expectations of us. He has things that he wants from us. And there are reasons for that. And those are God's reasons. You know, maybe one day we get to figure out what those are. But I think if we look at his teachings and we understand what those things are, they're only things that better our lives. He's never asked anything of us that, is, that will worsen our life. That's not what he's asked of us. In John 5, verses 2 and 3, it says, By this we know 
that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and the commandments are not grievous. Those things are not grievous to us. They're there for our own good. And we can live this life, we can throw this entire book out the window, and we can live the way that society tells us to live. We can fall to those things that we see and that we detest when we see those things on the news and on TV. We can fall to that and we can live that way. But there are consequences to that. And we will suffer those consequences if that's the choice we make. But by keeping his commandments, we show our love for him and others can see that love. In Revelations 22 and 14, it says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Blessed are they. Over and over again, we see that people are blessed through following God's word and keeping his commandments and being obedient to him. Blessings come from those things. And we can rely on that and we can be confident in that. Second Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17 say, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now we know that doesn't mean we're eventually going to be perfect. You know, some people read that and say, well, that a man of God may be perfect. Well, I don't know any of us that have ever been perfect. We know that's not that me- what that means. But we can be full in God's eyes through the blood of Christ. We can make that happen. And we can live a life in servitude to him. And that's, this passage tells us once again that we'll be blessed in doing that. It says this doctrine is good and should be used for all these things. You know, when we think about that and we think about what we're taught in the different areas of our lives when we're out in society. Are we taught that obedience to God is going to be a good thing in our lives? No, it's typically a negative thing. Do what you want. Follow your heart. There's a lot of different sayings that go along with all of that. But that's not what we're taught here. Doctrine is good and it should be used for proof in our lives. And it's up to us to do that. I mean, I can't force anyone in this room to do anything. Hopefully we read these things and we understand that they'll be helpful in our lives. And we submit to God and what he would have us to do. In Genesis 19, verses 27 through 28, it says, And Abraham, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. Now here we're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. I kind of got ahead of myself there. When we think about a people or a city or a society that was overcome by God for their lack of obedience, the first one that comes to mind is always Sodom and Gomorrah. And when we think about those things and we look at the, the way those, the people lived in those cities and we know that Lot was there and he escaped those things because of his obedience to God, we can quickly see what the, what the consequence to those things are. And here, the city's already been destroyed and we're back to Abraham because Lot and Abraham had parted ways at one point and Lot had gone down into Sodom and Gomorrah because it looked like a great opportunity Great opportunity existed in those cities, and he went to that. And Abraham said, no, he wasn't going to do that. He was going to go a different way. And so now the cities have been destroyed, and Abraham's looking down towards those cities. 
And it says, And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld. And lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. You know, it wasn't like the city had just burned a little bit. It was as the smoke of a furnace. A melting fire. And we know from the studies we've had in the last couple of months... Someone talked about Sodom and Gomorrah and talked about the things that were there. And to this day, we can see those sulfur balls and all of those things that happened to that city. And we know it to be true. So we look at these things and we know that Lot was spared. He escaped it. Abraham avoided it by putting God first and following him first. But we know that actions have consequences And that is the ultimate consequence of this city for not following the commandments of God. You know, there's no reason to think we're in the last days. I hear that a lot. We look around at different things and there's different people that say, Oh, we're in the last days, you know. If you look in that Old Testament, you look into Revelation, we're in the last days. And I don't think we have any reason to believe that today any more than we did 20 years ago. I really don't. I mean, we see things being repeated. Like we said in the beginning, that very passage could be written today and it would be fully applicable. But I don't think we're in the last days today any more than we were 20 years ago. This may be the last day. We don't know. But there's nothing in Scripture that's going to allude to that. And as we read these things and think of those things, we have to keep a positive uh, outlook. And I know the lesson of the morning seems like it's not that way. But through through obedience to God, we have an outlook that's more positive. We can have a life that's void of those things that are hurtful to us. In Titus 2, verses 11 through 14, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. You know, Jesus plays a role in all our lives. Everyone in society, everyone in the world, he plays a role in their life. And we don't think of it that way oftentimes. We don't think he plays a role in someone that doesn't want to follow him. But he plays a role. You know, he has his arms out open. But some choose to ignore that. And that's the role he plays in their life. Others want to obey him, but not yet. I'm not ready yet. And that's the role Jesus plays in their life. He's sort of on hold. He's over here. And still others form their decisions, their actions, and everything about what they do is centered around Jesus and God. And that's the role he plays in their lives. But Jesus plays a role in everyone's life. We choose what role he plays. And through obedience to him, he wants to be in your life. He wants to guide your life. He wants to help you avoid some of those pitfalls. But we have to choose to let him in. In Titus 1, 15 and 16. It 
It says, unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. You know, unto the pure all things are pure. You know, that is one of the blessings that we have. We can look at certain things and know that those things are good and those things are something that we should involve ourselves in our lives. Being here this morning around people with like mind, that's a good thing. That's a pure thing. Having fellowship with one another, that's a good thing. That's a pure thing. But to those that aren't pure, those that are defiled, nothing is pure. They don't see those things as being beneficial to their life. They don't see the advantages to that. They don't see any of that. And you know, it's really, really sad when you look at some of those things. You know, I knew someone one time that didn't believe in the family. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? They did not believe in the family, as many of us know it. And Kenneth, I think he's told some stories along these same lines. I knew this person, and she came over, and she was involved with our family, and she saw how our family interacted. And she just, up to that point, could not believe that that actually existed. That was something that was on TV. That was something so foreign to this person that they could not imagine that there were people that were family, that preferred to be around one another, that were around each other to encourage one another, and not just out of obligation. That was foreign to this person. And you know, we see that here. Unto the pure, all things are pure. When we look at those families, when we look at families, that's not foreign to us. We see that as a pure thing. A family that supports one another, a family that worships together. All of those things are pure and they're advantageous to us. But you know, there are people that don't have that benefit in their lives. They've never seen that example. And they don't understand it. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But those that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. And that's a very, very sad situation. Very sad. But we know there are people that experience that. And so the good thing is they can have a family. They can have a family that supports them. They can have a family that's there for them. And they should be able to find that in the congregation, in the church, the people that are here. That's where they should find that, outside their own family. We should be that to the people that are looking for it. And we can find that through Christ. In John 15, verses 13 and 14, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. He's laid down his life for you already. That part's already done. It's finished. He's laid it down. What role is Jesus going to play in your life? Is he something that you know about but you really don't want to have anything to do with? Are you thinking, well, Jesus is there but then someday I'm going to take care of that. Is that the role he plays? Does the role he play in your life, one, where your decisions are based around him, your actions are based around him, your thoughts are based around him? Because that's where he wants to be in your life. That's the obedience that he wants to see. 
not lording over and ruining everything that you think you want in your life, but giving you a better life, an alternative to what we see. Something better, I think, is what we're all looking for. And Jesus can give you that. He can cover the sins in your life, the thing that stands between you and God. And he offers it this morning. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.